Back sports up underground. This is Matt Dahl. If I am here with my co-star Ty Anderson, as we are every single week at nine eight five thesportsup.com, the Sports Up app, wherever you get your podcast. Ty, hello, how are you? What's going on? It's been a it's been an eventful week in the hockey world. Yeah, basically the- since we last recorded, was it last Wednesday or was it no? Was it no, Thursday it was or Friday Wednesday. when the well last Wednesday was when we recorded, mm-hmm. but when the Bruins made the big trade. Thursday. For Dmitry Orlov and Garnett Hathaway, that was the next day. Yeah, you okay. like how I said I'd be curious about Orlov and Hathaway, and the next day it happened. It was awesome. <laughs> that was that was great how that worked out, and we didn't have to go. We didn't really have to record an emergency pod. We we're just like, I, I don't know. Here, listen to this, and people, yeah. people went and listened. So that's great. Uh, thank you to uh, the Twitter people for checking us out when the the the, the Orlov Hathaway trade news dropped. I feel like that's a new avenue for uh, listeners, subscribers, whatever. When the time's right. You just tweet it out. Tweet it. That that showed me that people are willing to listen. To throw up the podcast player via Twitter or social media. So that was fun. That was a fun night. It's been a fun week for for the Bruins. They went out to uh, Western Canada, uh, and they they've won now eight in a row. Is that what it is? That what it uh, is? Season high eight game winning streak now. Yeah, and, which is uh, kind of crazy that like in a year that's just been so good. Eight is the highest. Yeah, like, you know they, what I mean. Like, how did they like, never get the double digit wins in a row? Right, That's you weird. think they, they, you think they would have, but you but, count, you count like an OT loss as right breaking right. a win streak. Yeah, I've always found that kind of then becomes a point streak, which is always yeah. fun because then you're like, is this a win streak or a point streak? And then yeah. someone's like, I don't, know, I don't even work here. It's like, oh, okay. I'm old enough to remember the days of when we talked about unbeaten streaks because they still had ties. Yeah, so they would have like win, 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 tie, win, 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 tie, 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 win. And now I'm the only tie left in hockey. Yes, you're the only tie in town. You're the biggest tie in town for sure. I don't know if that's true. Ty Warren, if he ever visits, much bigger than I. Oh, he's huge. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Another trade, by the way, as we're recording this. uh, And this one I find confusing. Yes, and we're going to go over all the trades. I got a list of all the the trades we're talking about that we can get into. If defenseman Philip Hironik from Detroit was moved, what do you think he would acquire? What do you think he would fetch in return? Look, I'd be lying to you if I said I knew knew much about Philip Peronic, but mm-hmm. uh, I will guess uh, I'll guess a fourth round pick. He actually fetched a first round pick and a second round pick. Wow, see that feels very high to me. But that's deadline he's season. Not, he's not exactly a franchise guy. It's all. It, it feels like these NHL teams are treating first round picks like an NBA team would treat a first round pick. Where it's like, well, they're not really worth that much. But like, the, I don't know. I, I feel like draft picks are valuable in the NHL. The people, these teams are just firing off first round picks. I do think the idea uh, that you have to hoard your picks is a bit antiquated. I, I do think that's kind of going by the wayside a little bit because I think teams, you know, have seen what the Lightning have done, um, where they've traded first round picks and second round picks, and they've won Stanley Cups. And the Lightning fans and the Lightning management says. Well, who the hell cares? We we have a banner now. That's better than the player who may or may right. not pan out in full four and a half years from now. You know, like so. I think unless you're getting a top ten pick, a lot of these teams now are like, eh, take the chance. Yeah, the Tampa had quite the run uh, drafting outside of the first round, and I just don't know if that's a sustainable model. You're not going to get Kucherov no. and Braden Point like every year in the second and third round. So they're feeling it now. I think. <clears throat> yeah, oh, they're definitely feeling it now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's it's been a quite, it's been a crazy deadline. This this is a question I have for you about the trade deadline. Would you prefer that all this craziness happened in one day on the deadline as we're counting it down and tracking everything, or do you like it this way where it's like we got a whole week to talk about this stuff because there's a new big trade every day? Yeah, I actually kind of like it this way. Yeah. Um, it's like it, trade week. Yeah, and it sucks for like the people who have to do seven hour shows, you know, on deadline day. I'd probably feel differently if I were one of those people, but this is better than I always hated the mad dash at two forty five where all of a sudden there's thirty five deals happening at once because yeah, just things fall by the wayside. You're like, oh, that happened like and so this has been much more I'd say palatable in terms of like analyzing it and be like, okay, I like that move, I don't like that move like and then looking at depth charts, looking at like free agency lists, you know, 
all that kind of crap. So I, I think I like this better. You know, I, I always hate, you know, I always love and hate July 1st because you don't know how many signings a team is going to make, right? Like the Bruins last year made five signings on July 1. And I just remember it being very like convoluted to the point where I think when I wrote it up that day, I just did it all in one big post because I was like, yeah, was, it was happening every 45 minutes. I'm like, this is painful. I can't, I like, I, this is awful. So it was, that's what it was like for me. And when the Patriots went on that crazy spending spree two yeah. years ago. Yeah. Yeah. It's not and enjoyable. It, and it's like, yeah, the first day of NFL free agency, or it's not even going to be the, it's going to be like three days before the legal tampering period. They call it, um, where like you find out where everyone's signing basically before free agency actually starts. Yeah. So yeah, like I don't know if there's gonna be another move. Like I don't know if there's gonna be a big move tomorrow. I feel like all the big ones are done. It feels that way, right? And it feels that way. There's still one team that, and I'm sure we'll get to it, but Carolina still hasn't made their big move, and I don't necessarily consider Shane Gossespierre and Jesse Puyarvi big moves. Those are fine depth pieces, but. It felt like with the LTIR space they had over $7 million with Max Pacioretty on LTIR and done for the season, along with Andre Kasha and Jake Gardner, it felt like they had enough there to to be a major player, to acquire a stud kind of talent, and mm. they haven't done it yet. And when a team is really quiet, it makes me think that they are working on something. Yeah, but there's like, I feel like all the names that have been discussed are have been traded there. But so like, if they make a big move, it'll come from out of nowhere, basically. Yeah. It, well, and, and so that's what I was going to say. Like, it makes me think of like a Jacob Chitrin, for example, right? Like who that's actually, that's the one guy that hasn't moved. Yeah. And it would make sense because he's on a really affordable contract. Caroline doesn't like spending a lot of money. You know, if you could have a money in money out kind of situation, I, I'm sure they'd love that. By the way, I still have no idea if it's Chitrin or Chitrin. I have no idea. I think it's, I think it's Chitrin. So, I thought so. I've been saying that. However, I was watching clips. Don't tell me. He called himself Chitrin. No, I was watching clips, and the Arizona PA announcer called him Chitrin. And God. in my head, I'm like, well, if one arena is going to know what his name is, it's his home arena. Right. Well, <laughs> is that their home arena? It's like the... Mullet Arena? It's like the temporary... Uh, yeah. It's like a, the motorhome of NHL it could, arenas. It could be a student on the PA for all I know, right? Right. So, so who we trust yeah. in here? No, but either I, way, I, that person's probably not making enough money. That's a common theme, I think. Yeah, that's a common theme in you know the world. <laughs> I would say there's like five people who make good money, and everyone else is like, nah, this sucks. Yeah, <laughs> not much of an Selling in between anymore. Stuff. <laughs> not much of an in between. No, uh, but. But, like, you know, he hasn't moved. The teams that are interested in him or were interested in him have all made moves, except for Ottawa. But does he want to go to Ottawa? They're not really a playoff contender yet. So there's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of weirdness around Carolina, in my opinion. But maybe, maybe they, they look at, like, the Bruins and say, we don't need to make a transformative move. If we just shore up our depth, you know, we'll be fine. So there is that element to it as well. But, yeah, I've... I don't know about you, Matt, and again, I know we'll go into this, but I've never seen anything like this. I've never seen anything like this where I would say six out of the eight teams in the East are taking home run swings. Like, they are all going for it. They are all making what I would call massive moves. Yeah, yeah. I've never seen that in one conference. I would compare it to last, uh, just cross sports again, the AFC last year with all those moves and all the quarterback and receiver trades and all that arms race. Yeah, it's been wild. It's been wild to watch. Um, but like, I don't, has there been anything that like that facilitated that compared to another year? Because I always feel like there's not enough trades in the NHL because these guys get signed to these long term extensions. They get they get signed to an eight year extension when they're a restricted free agents. So like they there's just they just don't move. Right. So I don't know. Like, do you think it's just that it's just a very competitive year in the East? And so I think there's dominoes think- are falling and teams are reacting and there's, it's just snowballed. I think it starts with, you know, if you're a team and you see that you have Boston and Carolina ahead of you, you're kind of like, if you're Tampa, every year is borrowed time. Your cap situation is not getting better. It's not going to alleviate itself because of what you mentioned, those eight-year deals. Like, they have a lot of guys that are either up for or starting or in year two 
of an eight-year deal with big money. So they're like, we, we have to try to win. If we don't try to win, what are we doing? Mm. We should have traded off these pieces if that was the goal. Right. You have Toronto who has half their cap committed to four or five guys. You know, like, so they have to go for it. Again, like, it's it's organizational malpractice if you're not. Uh, New York. New York is in a weird situation because they, they have a lot of tweeners. They have guys who, like, aren't making big, big money yet, but they're gonna soon, so you gotta strike while the iron's hot. And then you have teams like Pittsburgh and Washington who are, like, stuck in that icky middle ground where it's like, what are we? What do we do? Do we make plays? Do we... Do we want to sell off pieces? I think the Caps have done a great job, by the way, of finding that balance as a as a re- retooling team. Um, but when that happens, I think everyone feels that pressure to to swing for the fences. It's funny, like what you're seeing in the West is more common. Like like to your point, like those deadlines, like the biggest move in the West so far has been like Lars Eller and Jack Johnson going to Colorado, and everyone's yeah, like, yeah. "All right, yeah, whatever, that's fine." <laughs> like you could typically get a deadline full of those kind of moves, where it's like, "Oh, a third liner and a seventh D, sweet." Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, but it feels like the East is like, "I want more." Like it's all superstars, you know, across <laughs> the board. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even say that it's all superstars, but yeah, but it's just been, it just feels like impact moves, moves that were like they're targeting these guys and they they fill our specific needs. You know, like the Bruins getting Orlov and Hathaway, I think is emblematic of that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, it's been fun. But uh, if we could just circle back to the Bruins angle of it. Do we need to take a break? Uh, Not yet. We're, we're about 11 minutes in. Oh, we can go a little while. 11. Go a little. Let's take a quick, quick few minutes on, on Dmitry Orlov and Garnet Hathaway. I thought Orlov was old, and I told you I got all the Dimitris confused. I get all these European defensemen confused in general. Mm-hmm. So, like, I don't know who's Xenophobic. old, who's young. Orlov's only 31, and so, yeah, he's a good two-way defenseman. You said you like him more than Vladislav Gavrikov, and I think we've already seen in his first three games as a Bruin why. He can make things happen offensively, and, you know, he doesn't size, he doesn't exactly solve the size problem as I would, but he's heavy. 5'11", 214. Like, that man yeah. is a meat stack. And he plays He plays big. So, you know, he plays physical on defense. And he, he, you can see he's got a little bit of skill to him. Uh, that first goal he scored uh, against the Flames, it's Wednesday now, so it was last night. That first goal was, was pretty savvy. Got a, gets, gets a screen, hits backside, picks the top corner. You know, Gavrikov couldn't do that. So I, I I get what you're saying. I now I see what you mean when you said I, I would take Orlov over Gavrikov, even though Gavrikov's younger and bigger. Mm-hmm. Orlov seems like a, a great pickup, and like they've been they've been Jim Montgomery's been really messing around with the defensive pairings. But I don't know. I kind of liked Lindholm Orlov last night against the Flames. I don't know if that's going to stick. But uh, your early impressions of Orlov as a Bruin, I like him a lot. I like you know I, I he's a guy who senses the game well. Um, you know, that first goal that you mentioned is a great example. You know, the the, the, the gaps are just crap for, from the Flames. And he says, okay, I'm going to take it. I'm, I'm going to take that. You're going to give me this. I'm going to take it. And, you know, I think that's a, a bit of a rarity on that blue line. Uh, just guys that typically want to dish it versus taking charge. And, and that's not a knock on their defense. Their defense has been very good at that this year. But, you know, a guy who will take the ice in front of him with the puck on a stick and then shoot it. I think that's an element you want on this defense. And what I like about him as well is that, you know, he's he's a little bit of a prick. And and I mm. and I say that He's got a little red ass. He does. I, like. I mean, I don't know if you saw this last night, but uh it was a delayed penalty against the Flames and uh Mangiapani is just hovering over the puck without touching it. So Orlov comes over and just cross checks him down, like, get out of here. <laughs> like touch it or don't. Yeah, like get yeah. out of the way. And I just found that, like, yeah, that's kind of what he is, right? And he's a big, you know, what I like about him, and I think that this is worth watching in the playoffs, really, is that he's a really good open ice hitter. Kevin Miller, you know, he hit Kevin Miller when he did. Uh, I remember he had a big hit on Pasternak, I want to say, uh, a couple of years back, like heavy hit right over the Washington blue line. Uh, knock Pasternak on his ass. Just keep your skates on the ice. That's yeah. what I, all I would ask. And, but... When you have, let's say you have two of those guys on different pairings, right? Because McAvoy can do that too. And now you have Orlov. You have two guys who can put you on the tracks when you want to go to the high danger areas. I mean, that that there's value in that, especially with 
it being a guy who is strong but is not as valuable as Charlie McAvoy, if that makes sense. Like, like listen, you don't want to lose an injury. You don't want to have him in the penalty box. But if it happens, it's not as devastating as if it's Charlie McAvoy who's yeah. has to exit your lineup or get in a fight. You know, like, whatever the case may be. Like, so I think... I think there's huge value in that as well. So uh, I will say I like him on the left side versus the right side, um, but that also could have just been he's playing with Charlie McAvoy in pairing. And I was Dolph like, Dolph was like right, this. by the way. Dolph was right. What's that? They're open to getting a left shot to play him on the right side. Yeah, That's what I suggested. I mean, it's not a bad, it's not a bad <laughs> call. Like, you know, but it's what I find what I find really interesting about the Orlov acquisition is that the Bruins said outright. This is going to be a rotation on the back end because we lose guys every postseason. Montgomery yeah. just admitted that outright. Said we we have injuries in the back end every postseason. He's like, I've read it, I've seen it, I've heard. I it. I read it, I heard it on the Sports Hub Underground. We we <laughs> always have injuries, and so, but that's but you know it's been what it's been three games now, and with Orlov in town, and every game has been a different guy sitting. I and I find that really fascinating. That that yeah, they sat Carlo. Right? Could you plan. imagine? Could you imagine Bruce Cassidy sitting Brandon Carlo? Like, because I, I can't. He would just run him into the ground and be like, "Ah, no, you're D zone all the time." Like, and I think you know you're gonna have this wacky ass schedule coming up here where you have you know 15 games in 25 days or whatever. And I'm curious if he sits McAvoy, if he sits Lindholm. Like, how true of a rotation is this gonna be? Because if it's completely true for the most part, that's huge. That that takes balls and it's smart because you have a lot of hockey in front of you if you are going to do what you want to do this year. You have at least probably 24 games <laughs> beyond this if, yeah. if you want to get done what you want to get done. So I, I think that's that's intriguing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, McAvoy hasn't always been the most durable guy, so I could see giving him some rest as we go down the stretch here, but I feel like they're going to need that load management stuff to borrow an NBA term. They're going to need more of that for the, the forwards. You know, and look, now we got a couple of forwards injured. Nick Foligno, Taylor Hall. Uh, sounds like neither of them are going to play on Thursday against the Sabres. We don't really know what's going on with either of them. But like Jim Montgomery said, that Taylor Hall's injury doesn't seem that serious. But I guess it's going to be a situation where he misses about a week, seven to ten days at least. Uh, Foligno, I thought no news is good news. I figured if it was serious, Montgomery might have hinted at it. He might have said, like, you know, it doesn't look good. Not looking good for Fliggy. Yeah, but, they tend uh, to say something like that if that's the but case. I don't know. Yeah, like I feel like he just got some kind of stinger, something that something that hurts worse in the moment than it like than it really is. If that makes sense, I don't know. Yeah, no, I'm I, holding I, out. I, yeah, I mean, and that's a big human that that he collided with Nikita Zadorov. Who, by the way, Nikita Zadorov stepping up on a five on on a PK for a big hit. When his team is protecting a one goal lead with five minutes left, maybe one of the dumbest things I've seen all season. <laughs> That's probably uh, what are part you of the, doing? Dude? I, I threw that name out at you for trade options. You're like, eh, no, I don't think he has the head for what the Bruins wanted. <laughs> Something like, like that. I, I like I watched that clip over and over again last night. I don't know what he's thinking. Why are you stepping up for the big hit when you're on the PK and you're protecting a one goal lead in the third period? Because it's cool and I'm tough. Like I don't know. just just. Brainless, brainless behavior. Use your noodle, you dumb dumb. I, I mean, just I got a noodle. He's just, like and pool, then he took out he took noodle? out a, a fellow penalty killer, and it it gave a clear lane to Orlov to hit Zaka. I mean, just just dumb. I think it's another guy I got confused with the Dimitris. I don't know why Nikita Dimitri Nikiti. Mm. Who twos and tootsies? I don't know. Uh, the uh, uh, the last two are not real names. I don't believe. <laughs> those were uh, those were uh, social classes in Rwanda. <laughs> uh, Tootsie was a character uh, played by Dustin Hoffman, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> From what? Wasn't that wasn't that wasn't that a movie? Wasn't it called like Tootsie? Oh, Tootsie, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's a good movie. I mean, I don't know. it's ahead uh, of its time. It's Dustin Hoffman walking around dressed as a woman most of the movie. Really? Yeah. Was that the inspiration of Mrs. Doubtfire? Kind of. Really? Yeah, kinda. I mean, he was like a TV host or something. I forget, forget the plot. I watched it years ago because it was like one of those Oscar movies. Mm-hmm. You know, I always go back and watch old Oscar movies. 
Yeah, it was interesting. And that's how you found Baby's Day Out, of course. As we yes, know. yeah, of course. Um, and Dunstan Checks In and all those other <laughs> 90s classics. Dunstan from Dunstan Checks In. And Mighty Joe Young. Uh, yo, I saw Mighty Joe Young in, Joe Young in theaters, I'm pretty sure. Because I was like seven or six, and I was like, yo, Mom, that movie has a monkey in it, which means I want to go and see it in theaters. And she's like, God damn it. There was a weird run on monkey, monkey movies. They never stopped. I was going to say, there was a weird run on monkey movies in the 90s. I don't know why. Uh, yeah, there was. So there was George of the Jungle, which had a monkey in it. Uh, there was Mighty Joe Young. There was Dunstan uh, Checks In. There was uh, Babe 2 Pig in the City, which had a, a hotel full of monkeys. Uh I'm sure Jumanji had monkeys in it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh most valuable most valuable primate. Yeah. Oh, there was there was oh right the monkey playing hockey. <laughs> yeah, wearing the Pooh Bear uh like style jersey with no oh, logo. Wow. On it. There was a uh, Congo. It was a serious movie about about gorillas in the Congo. There was based on the Michael Crichton book. Is that the one where there's like they cause a breakout? Because there's another no, one. No, there's outbreak is what you're thinking. And of. It, like the body monkeys. Right? And it's, it came from monkeys, yeah. And there, there's the movie Twelve Monkeys, which mm-hmm. is like a time travel dystopia. With yeah, what was with the monkey movies in nine, in the nineties? You had the uh, uh, Marcel from Friends was a monkey, was a a, a key character. True, that was a thing. Yep, yep. And Aladdin uh, had a monkey in it. Yep. Just they just they just love the monkey movies. Well, this is this will be the best moment of the podcast this week. Uh, we're probably missing some monkey movies. I'm not even oh, lying yeah. to you. Like we definitely probably are. We need we need some friends of the program tomorrow when you, when you listen. Tell us some, give us some monkey movies on Twitter. Well, I was like under ninety five underground. I I remember Dunstan checks in and being like, "Yo, this is sick." This kid like lives in a hotel because his dad is like the manager, and they had just have a monkey in the hotel. I'm like, "That's that rules." Home Alone too, but with a monkey. Like that's that was the whole pitch. <laughs> I was like, "That's a sick life." That guy has a that kid has a sick life. Like this sucks. I, I why can't we have that? That was there was a run on kids with sick lives movies in the night, like Blank Check. Remember that? Mm-hmm. The kid just he writes a check for like one million dollars and somehow has everything. The Little Rascals uh, movie was sick too because oh, I like, like that. those kids just could do whatever they wanted and they were like seven. I like, wanted a go kart when that came out, right? Scully, Oli, Oli. Like, and you have that, that kid walking around. Uh, and then uh, I, I, the best is still Mel Brooks in that movie. Seven? Seven is your account number? Uh, eight? <laughs> like, I don't know what it is. Just, <laughs> oh, is yeah, it? when they actually like sneak in somewhere with, like yeah. stacked on top of each other in a yeah. trench coat. <laughs> that might actually make me laugh if I rewatched that movie, even though it's it silly will. and even the silly kid stuff. It, no. It, no, I'm telling you, it definitely will. Like yeah. it, it, it holds up. Monkey right. in that movie too. There's a monkey in that movie. It, what, there's a monkey who's like part of like the He Man Woman Haters Club. God, we, all right, they had like a, a little one, a little one, yeah, like a spider monkey. They had their own Marcel. Yeah, and he and probably honestly probably the same monkey. Like if we had to, if we had to be real about it, yeah, probably it was the yeah. Uh, were, <laughs> he had a, he had a good agent. What were we talking about? I don't know, but we should now we should take a break. All right. All right. Uh, that was monkey movie talk on the sports of underground. We're going to take a quick break here. Come back and uh, get back to the sports. Backstagecountry.com, your online home for all things country music. <laughs> Wondering who made our list of the top five all-time queens of country music? Did Carrie Underwood make the cut? Find out now when you text Queens to 45911 and scroll through the list on BackstageCountry.com. Text Queens to 45911 to see the talented artists who rounded out our top five list. Welcome back, Ty. More monkey talks. No, no, no. (laughs) Please. I think we've exhausted the monkey movies. Uh, I'll probably think of something later in the pod. All right. Uh, Lena Selmark. 54 saves against the, the Flames. You'd say the Bruins had no business winning that game, but I don't know. I, I feel like it's hard to ever say a team didn't deserve to win because the Bruins did make some plays. Uh, that that game, or not the, the game tying goal, Jake DeBrus takes a massive hit and that clears the ice open for Dmitry Orlov and Pavel Zaka to get that tying goal. And, you know, they win in an overtime. That was another great play uh, by started and finished by McAvoy, kind of. Uh, obviously, Allmark was was the story of that game, though. 
And I mean, I don't know. We're running around of things to say and say about how Allmark is playing this year. And you know, there's sometimes you need the goalie to, to steal you a game. And you know, it's, I don't know if you would chalk up that game in Calgary to the Bruins just being a little gassed. It was the second night of a back to back. I feel like this is sort of a theme where like their their quote unquote worst games this year have been you know tough situations, travel wise, schedule wise. You know, there's been few and far between between where it's like that was just a bad game. So, I mean, maybe you could chalk it up to that, but it's almost like playing Allmark, going with Allmark in Calgary versus Edmonton was sort of like a masterstroke by Jim Montgomery. It's like, well, you know, Allmark's going to be fresh. And, like, that's yeah. sort of what happened. And he, yeah. was, he, he was the best player on the ice by far. And so this is a long way of saying, that, so we got to trade him now, right? <laughs> yeah, you got to trade Do you have the stomach for it? No, you don't because he's really friggin' good. And you shouldn't trade anyone. You shouldn't, you shouldn't trade either one of those guys. And um, you only play one goalie in the playoffs, though, Ty. So yeah, you, I you absolutely have to give up that, one of them. That logic I found astounding because I was like, okay, what happens if Chris Kreider comes in and, and does what he did to Gary Price against them? And now you're going with with Kyle Kaiser, right? They don't even you have, feel good about they that. They don't even have Keith Kincaid. Yeah, anymore. they like, just traded him. It, it, and so. Yeah, I don't even want to go down that rabbit hole. It's just so no, stupid. No, I was it's just, just so stupid. I was just kidding. We don't have to complain about up, that. Straight up dumb talking point, and, and I don't I don't care. I'm sorry. I know you have a show to do today. That was a dumb discussion. Um, what yeah. I was, well, it doesn't make you a genius. It's just that sometimes it's just a bad take. Yeah. My favorite comedian, Tim Dillon, said that recently. It's like, you know, you're not just, you're not interesting or unique or smart. Sometimes it's just a dumb take. Yeah. And that was a dumb take. Yeah, and and... There's a weird like layer of defense of that take, and I don't understand that either. But whatever, don't want to get into that. Um, well, I defend like your freedom of speech, I guess. But like, like there's, there's no way that that was even a remotely intelligent I, thing or worth even worth talking about. But like, there are people out there that are like, "Well, it makes sense." You think about it. I'm like, no, it doesn't. I promise you, it doesn't. No matter the world you think of it in, it does not make sense. The all-in team is not going to trade one of its goaltenders. Shut up. I'm like, shut the hell up. Um, no, but with Linus Elmark. You know, you got the feeling early that he was going to have to play the way he did. And it was interesting, you know, after two periods of play, he had 38 saves. That was a season high already. Three, that was crazy. Periods. It was like 39 to 10 or something. After, oh, it was nuts. After two periods. It was Arizona-esque, right? The way yeah. that they always get outshot, but they're always hanging in games. I was watching. I was like, does it have to be that many shots? God. And then I think it was before the Dylan Doobie goal in the third period, I... Uh, uh, Allmark makes a save, and you can see the look on his face, like, "Oh, he's getting tired." I'm like, "I'm like, he is feeling it right now." Like, he just he had this look in his eyes, like, "Oh my god, this is getting to be a bit much." And then they score, they score, you know, two goals quickly on him, and now the Bruins are are, are trailing. And I was like, "Oof, I don't know how they're gonna pull this out." But that's sort of what they do, like you know, like they after the game they talked about that, you know, they spoke about that. They said that, you know, some nights you're not gonna have it, but they feed off what the other person is doing. They feed mm. off one another. You know, it's what we've talked about, the momentum of this team. And I think they see that Allmark is still making saves. You know, he's keeping them in it. Yeah. It's three to two. It's not four to two now. You know, it's not five. Like, the game isn't getting away. He's making saves after, you know, a quick two goals and I think one seventeen stretch. And so that gives the Bruins life. It gives the Bruins, you know, opp- realization that, hey, you got an opportunity here if you can take it. So, um Unbelievable showing from Allmark. Um, yeah, to your point, you're kind of running out of ways to describe his season. Uh, I will say this. He is the Vezina, and if you don't agree, you're overthinking it. <laughs> like, like, How could he not be? Doesn't he lead the league in everything? Leads the league in wins, save percentage, goals against average, yeah, no, goals just- saved above average, high danger save percentage. Like, like, But that's the thing. Like, I, I tweet this out, and people are like, well, oh, Ilya Sorokin's had a good year. I'm like, okay, he's not as good as Elmark though. Like, it, like point blank, he's not as good as Elmark. Stop it. Stop overthinking <laughs> right. things. And, and uh, well, no, he's a shoe in for the Vesna. The question, is, which you've already been raising, is, is is he now a Hart Trophy candidate? Which I think he is. He's having that kind of season. You know, he I would argue top like five. Yeah, like the Bruins are are obviously very deep and really good at at every position, but. Allmark is the reason that they're forty six, eight, and five, or whatever. He's the reason that they're on like yeah. historic pace, in yeah. my opinion. And, and been a lot of games that he stole the first period and like allowed them to come back or kept them in it. Like, there's been a lot of games like that where 
the final score happens, they pulled away in the third, and you almost forgot about how great Omark was early in the game to keep them in it. Yeah, and what and about I'm, that on 95sportsup.com? I'm happy you brought that up because I think there's a lot of people out there, uh, perhaps nationally or even Bruins fans who want to like be the, I'm objective and I'm above it all, um, that they think, oh, he's not they a might, great... They might say that about us, to be fair. Well, yeah. But we are, we're also trying to have fun with it. You know, I think you're probably referring to people that take themselves too seriously. I'm, I'm, I'm referring to anyone who thinks that that having a negative take about their favorite team makes makes them a superior fan. And I think those people are exhausting. That's I, like I weird. don't think like it's weird. I feel like that's sort of unique to Boston. Maybe there's a yeah. more. Maybe it's a I'm northeast. I'm not like the rest of you. I'm it, like, well, no, you're just exhausting. Like whatever. Um, no, but but I'm happy you brought that up though because. I do think there are a lot of people who are glossing over how good Allmark has been because the team is good. And they say, well, no, Allmark's good because the team is good. No, no, the team is good because Allmark is really good. Like, it goes hand in hand. It's not just... This isn't... Someone said it to me last night that he's Philip Grubauer on Colorado in 2021. No, he's not. Watch the games is what I would tell that person. He's not that guy. Like, he he is the rock of this team, you know, in terms of, like... To your point, like weathering early storms, you know, both their wins against Dallas this year, Allmark was your best player. Start to finish, oh, yeah. Allmark was your best yeah, player. He was and that's awesome. one of the best teams in hockey. He was awesome in that last game in Dallas. And yeah, and and there's been games where, you know, after the first period they're tied one one, but they've been almost tripled up in shots. You know, yeah. like it but it's been Allmark who's been keeping the minutes. So I think I remember well actually I said like the two goals he gave up in that Dallas game weren't great. I thought maybe he was starting to slip a little bit. Yeah. Well, well, that take didn't age well. So that's the other part of it, though, is that if you break it up into, like, the 19-game segments that he's had, it's a pretty consistent clip. It's a pretty consistent, you know, sort of um, performance. It's not like... Yeah, no, he hasn't been up and down. It's not Swayman. Swayman's been up and down. Yeah. Like, that's like that's like the... Yeah. You know, that's the difference. Swayman's been guys. either a shutout or, like, four or five goals, it seems. Yeah. And so, I mean, he's he's unbelievable. He's just... He's so good, and... You know the the best thing they can do for him, uh, ironically enough, is to sit him more down the stretch. Like keep, give, make sure that you get this Linus in the playoffs and don't oh, overextend yeah. him. You know, chasing after a, a, a hard trophy. But yes, he's on. If I were voting today, he cracks my top five. Now, is he second, third, fourth? Got to see how it all shakes for, out for MVP. To be yeah. clear, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think he's in the top eight, Vesna. Oh, sorry. Did I say that? No, um, no, no. I was just, I was just making clear for uh, uh, for our faithful listeners. McDavid's one. We all know that he's number one. But he, that's like that's starting to get annoying because it's like so. It's like Mike Trout winning AL MVP every year just because he's the best player. So it's like and yeah. now Shohei Otani is going to be AL MVP. Every, we're just going to give it to the best player every year. Like so, you gotta I actually, do. You got it's the most valuable player. They have a trophy. It's like the the Pearson Trophy or something mm-hmm. for like the outstanding player of the league. Give that to McDavid every year. Yes, I actually so, I, I found that I did this last year where my heart trophy ballot I had McDavid fifth. I want I fourth or fifth because I was like, well, he's excellent. I know he's excellent, but these guys are driving their team. Like yeah. these guys are the reason why their team is so good. I, so, like, and and so that's, but he's been undeniable for me. Fifty goals. He's on pace for probably like 160 points. I mean, he's like so much crazy. Like so much that. better than every other player. That's oh, it's insane. it's yeah. Good luck slowing him down. And but and I do want him to win. A, I want him to win a cup. Like he does. I feel like he's playing too well to not win someday. I would have two Bruins. I think in my top five for the heart. I think I'd have Allmark and Pasternak. Allmark and Pasternak. And and then I'd have McDavid. And then the two that I'm landing on right now, besides that, Tage Thompson in Buffalo, Jack Hughes in Jersey. Like those are like the two. Yeah, that, I was that, saying like, Hughes. Those are like my five right now. What a lot can like, change, uh, but those are my five right now. What about Jason Robertson out in Dallas? He would be six for me. Like like he's right on that. Like that's why I'm saying for right now because if if Dallas turns it on and they have a white hot finish of the year and and you know he's he's in the discussion like. That's up there. You know, another guy, too, for me, would be Josh Morrissey. That Winnipeg team should not be as good as they are, and I think Josh Morrissey's a big trophy? reason why. He's that yeah, good? Yeah, well, I, like, defensive impact in terms of how you're affecting the game, I think he's near the top of the list. And, like, Eric Carlson's put up a ton of points, but 
he also is on a really shitty team, and they don't win games. Yeah, I mean, so like that's kind of how that is. Give him the Norris, I suppose. Yeah, Let's see, I feel like honestly, I feel like this should hurt McDavid. Is that Leon Drysaddle's? Right, he's not right behind him, but he's second in the league in score. Oh, it does hurt. So like they have, I can admit it hurts. They have the two best centers in the league in terms of scoring. You know? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. It's I not mean, like it's McDavid and they don't have anybody else. No, and. What's interesting, though, like an interesting wrinkle here for me is what if they miss the playoffs? Like, oh, well, then no, then you, you, you don't, you mean? don't get like, the heart trophy. That's like a legit thing. Is you that... got the art, you got the art Ross law. You probably get hurt today and win the art Ross. It's true. But, I um, think, honestly, like he's going to get the scoring title. He's going to get, I forget the name of the trophy for the, this is why we need a producer to look stuff up. I forget what the name of the trophy is for just like the most outstanding player. Mm-hmm. This is the most valuable Ted Lindsay player. player. Well, that's when Maybe. voted on by the players, I think. Yeah. Well, it might be. I, I don't know, but there, there's definitely a, a, a trophy like that mm-hmm. that is separate from like most valuable to your team. And I get it if if Allmark doesn't win for the Bruins, the Bruins are just so damn good and deep that like I get if you don't want to yeah. give a Bruin MVP because like I would yeah I look back to like when Taylor Hall won the MVP for the Devils. Pretty sure the Devils were like a wild card team, but. Yeah, they they Taylor were. Hall and nobody else. Yeah. And Taylor Hall had like 95 points or whatever it was. It's like, yeah, I think that made sense. That's why. That's my philosophy anyway. That's I guess why we I have had, different philosophies. I had Shesterkin number one on mine last year. That's for, a good one. For that yeah. reason. Because as good as McDavid and Matthews were, I looked at the Leafs and said, well, Matthews has Mitch Marner, who's one of the best players in the league. He has John Tavares behind him as the second line center. Like, that is a really good situation for him. I think I had Matthews uh, second or third. So, like, it wasn't like I was like, no, the team is too good. He doesn't deserve votes. But I looked at Igor in New York, and I was like, this guy carries this team. They'd be a lottery team if not for Igor Shosturkin. So I I, I kind of look at it similar with with a guy like Tage Thompson, you know, a guy like Jack Hughes. Like, they are such valuable components that I weigh them higher than, than what we were talking about, Jason Robertson or even David Bostronok, for that matter. Mm-hmm. Like, like I, I, it sucks that I do this. Like I, you, you learn about your internal biases over time, but I think you have to be on a good team to, to truly win it. And I also think that, you know, you have to kind of be truly the most valuable player on your team. Like you have to be the difference between winning and losing every night, in my opinion. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. And there's really no, the Bruins are too good to have like one player make that. Right, difference. Right. But yeah, if the Sabres sneak into the playoffs, like Tage. Tage Thompson should get a lot of votes. He should. Yeah. Like, is that team? They've had shaky goaltending, and the way he's played has been unbelievable. And, so, and not to mention, it's the first year post Eichel, and like that would not be the best look for old Jack out there in Vegas if like oh, the first year he's you're gone. For chaos, I see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just for the chaos. Um, all right, we're a little pressed for time, Ty. I did want to go over uh, some of the big trades. We can keep it quick, yeah. All right, yeah. We don't have to go. We don't have to, you know, do a deep dive on every trade. But I wanted to, you know, our, our friend uh, Ben. I'm sorry, I forget your last name. Montero, something like that. Yep, you got it on Twitter. Friend of the program. Mon- he said, it might I hope be you guys talk about the trades. There's an I in there. Montero. Yeah, something like that. Thank you, Ben, for reaching out. I, I feel like I get responses like that where guys like. Good. I like the podcast. I hope I would like to hear your thoughts on this. There's not nearly enough of that. Yeah. Maybe it's because we suck, or maybe it's because everybody else sucks. There's so much negativity. Out there. We do it's not so promote it nearly enough, but that's our own fault. We're trying to do ten things at once, all, at all times. Yeah. But I feel like we've been getting. There's been a rise the last few weeks where like people listen to Arras, the pod. Children, children arise. Not now, me one. <laughs> it doesn't just want. There's been a rise in like the day. Let's stay focused here. Fried catfish. Sorry. All right, go on. But I'm, I'm, I'm doing this privately. <laughs> the D stands for Dracula. This is my, this is my favorite line. They go to Dracula's grave, and there's just the D on it, and he's wearing the headphones that are talking about it, and he's just so loud. He goes. Oh, the D on the grave stands for Dracula. Like, I don't know why it always got me. <laughs> These are not spikes. These are pointy arms. <laughs> and, uh, uh, this, this is a Schwert band. The ghost of Christmas uh, future. No, the cybernetic ghost of Christmas past yeah. from the future. Yeah, and and when he's talking, and Carl just goes, hey, get this freaking robot. <laughs> when he's trying to sell the house. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, sorry. Good stuff. The trades, the trades. Aqua team. All right, so yeah, uh, Devils got Timo Meyer. Love um, it. The more I thought about it, Timo Meyer was 
I thought the biggest prize of the deadline because he's a restricted free agent. So whoever got him has a leg up on keeping him and giving him that extension. So I think he's going to be a devil for a long time. Great pickup by them. And I still see the Devils as the team that's like they're going to lose early because they're not ready for this whole thing. They don't really know what it takes. That whole sort of thing, I think that is a big factor in the NHL, especially in the Stanley Cup playoffs, which is the, the ultimate war of attrition in sports. Mm-hmm. So, But I love the move, and the Devils are going to be dangerous for, for a while. And, uh, you know, if they if they pop someone, if they make a surprising run in the playoffs, that wouldn't surprise me, you know, because they brought in Timo Meyer. Yeah, and it's interesting as it relates to David Pasternak because that was a team that we had circled back way back when where it said, hey, if it's doomsday and the Bruins lose Pasternak, watch out for the Devils. They got a ton of cap space. Timo Meyer was going to eat up a lot of that cap space. You mentioned RFA, $10 million qualifying offer that he's due uh, if, if you cannot strike a long-term deal before uh, the start of the offseason. So the Devils, based on what they paid, uh, they will extend that offer. They have the money to do it, uh, but that's worth watching. They were one of the few teams, I thought, who could actually pull it off based on the cap space they had, the quality of team they have now, and their openings moving forward. So I love that move. That's a, That's... Ryan Fitzgerald, uh, or I'm sorry, Tom Fitzgerald has done a, Ryan is his son, uh, Tom has done a great job replenishing that team with trades and with some good free agent signings as well. Yeah, no, Devils team on the rise. All right, uh, the Rangers got Patrick Kane, and uh, yeah, we'll probably see him this weekend when the when the Rangers come to uh, TD Garden. Ty and I will both be there. Yeah. I yeah. will be there to cover the game in person. Look at you. I think I owe it to, I owe it to the people, Ty. Look at you. Get you shut first, up, baby dick. A, I don't know why it's a lot of things. Always sunny. Uh, small, well, he's like, well, I'm not helping her. A small, peni- <laughs> a small penis is a disability, man. That's, I just The best is when she says that to Dennis. He goes, well, I'm out. He, he's like so upset. He's like, I'm not going to help her. Shut uh, up. <laughs> but uh, no, uh, I, I listen, that move is a move that is very, um, it can be really good or it can just be, eh. Like it could be nothing. It's not right. going to kill them because my friends were asking me about that. Like, oh, they didn't really get that much for him, and I explained that it was sort of like when the Bruins got Taylor Hall. Yeah, it's yeah, it the same thing. The yeah. the Blackhawks had no leverage because he only, he only wanted, wanted to go to, go to the there. Rangers. He was only waving. He was only wanted to go. To the Rangers were the only team he was going to go to. They were the one. They were the only team. Yes, there might have been other teams that asked about him, but but they that were was the only, only team. team. One one team that would be the New York Rangers. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they were the, the blue ones. shirts. They were the ones in the blue shirts, yeah. and uh, I saw someone sent me a, a shirt that says Showtime. It was like That's instead sick. of Rangers, it says Showtime. That's good. Is that Patrick Kane's nickname? Showtime? It is. Yeah, I didn't even know that. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah, we'll see him. We'll see him this weekend. I feel like he could get a little, he could have a little bit of a boost playing on a much, much better team. Um, yeah, but he's he's a little. He's not what he once was. But you know, I don't know if the if the Rangers go on a run. You know, I would expect Patrick Kane to be playing a role in that. But the I, Rangers, I see as as the Devils still, where it's like they're not quite ready to get to that next level. I think the the thing that frustrates me about the Patrick Kane narrative is that I think people are too extreme about it on on either side. Where people act like he's like worthless now. No, he's still a very talented scorer. Like he's still a very talented player. Washed. He's long in the tooth. Washed. Defense, people bring up his defensive game. His defensive game was never good. It, like even in his prime, his defensive game was terrible. Like, right. like he was not. He was never that guy. His game was always about you know having the puck. Yeah, and, and so if he can have that chemistry uh, with Panarin that they had in Chicago, and also that Rangers power play, man, that, that's a good power. That's play. dangerous. I forgot that Panarin was in Chicago. Yeah, so yeah. Teammates reunited. So if they if they can get that chemistry going, like that's it's a good combination they got there. Very talented team on the wings. A lot of talent there on the wings between Kreider, Panarin. Mm. Uh, Kane, Tarasenko, uh, so they they got to cook in there. And now I disagree with you though on them like needing time. Like they got to do it. They're in like they're in what the Bruins were in like 2018, 19, where it's like you're not gonna have a lot of cap space forever. You yeah. got to get this done. Like so. oh well, I don't mean like they're not in win now mode. I just yeah, mean yeah. I don't know if they're actually ready to make that run. Yeah, I mean they got to round three last year, so. Okay, that's true. They did make the like, conference finals. You don't want to go backwards, right? That's I think that's yeah. always the organizational belief. You don't. You never want to go backwards. That, that just sucks. So uh, they're loading up for it. I, I but I thought that was a good trade by Chris Drury as well. So uh, Leafs got Jake McCabe and Sam Lafferty from the Blackhawks. I think those are guys that you were talking about. Love them recently. McCabe. Love those pickups for them. 
sneak they've built a sneaky uh capable roster now. Yeah. Like like they're gonna be a hard out, but we'll talk about something else that happened the Atlantic trade wise, I'm sure. But I, I like those moves. I like Ryan O'Reilly, like Nola Chari. I don't know what they're doing on their back end right now. I, I like Sandine for Gustafson feels like a loss to me. Um Gustafson, I've just never really been impressed with his playoff performance. Feels like a paper tiger, puts up points. Disappears in big moments. Um, I thought Sandine was was a, a solid player for them. Younger, um, I want to say he was bigger, more capable in all three zones. So, uh, kind of a weird trade in my opinion, but we'll see what they do next. Leafs also got Luke Shen. Is that the other trade you were talking about? The Atlantic? No, no other team. The team they'll be playing in round one. Tampa. Uh, yeah. I feel, I feel like I saw it, but I didn't write it down in time. On my uh, Tampa traded uh, Calfoot. And five draft picks for uh, for Tanner Janot, who's basically oh, Trent yes. Frederick. Yes, that. Uh, like, like you look at his production, how he plays, et cetera, et cetera. What I will say though is that the Lightning have a team that I think is built to seek and destroy the Toronto Maple Leafs in the in their own zone. It that like, and with Tampa, it is a plotting bottom six, probably the slowest bottom six they've ever had. Like throughout this window. When you have Pat Maroon, Corey Perry, uh, Pierre Edward Belmar, uh, now you have Tanner Janot. Like, yeah, a little he, too much of that now, it seems. But they needed it to sprinkle that in a few years ago. Yes. When they were a but cup now, team, it was, holy crap, their bottom six is lightning fast. Like, yeah, yeah. What, do you, what do you do here? So I think that's interesting, um, but I also think they have the, they have the capabilities to batter Toronto around for a seven game series, which is always dangerous. So yeah, I um, hope those two teams beat the absolute hell out of each other in the first round. I mean, they've been locked into a first round matchup for about three months now, right? And, and I think that's why you saw those deadline moves from them is that they knew who they were playing, and internally they're like, we need to build a team that's going to beat Toronto or beat Tampa. And, and I think that's what's made their moves kind of fascinating in that regard. Don't you think Toronto still is, is thinking about the Bruins though because they're snake bit. And if they if they play if it's Bruins Leafs again, I don't know. This is this is the superstitious person in me coming out. Where it's like they're going to beat Toronto again, like Toronto's just going to lose again to the Bruins. Like Toronto's starting to scare me a little bit cuz they're just, actually making the moves to go for it. I've said the it goal you, time, I, though, I've right? said it to you before. I just I, yeah. You know they all mark for me to see all mark versus those guys. I I get it. Like it's so hard for me to see Ilya Samsonov or Matt Murray outdueling Andre Vasilevsky and then outdueling Linus Allmark if the Bruins get to the second round. Like, yeah. like that just feels like such like a. It's like no. <laughs> like, yeah, it really that's is not going to happen. Their, really is going to be their downfall. I think. <laughs> right. Like they they could they could be like Calgary last night where like they totally outplay a team, but then like their crap goalie just gives up a a duck while the goalie at the other end who's actually good is is stopping them. Yo, Dan Vladar stinks. He's not good. He's not. He's such a not a good goaltender. Well, you say the Bruins shouldn't have gone with him. Oh my god! The the pooping, the pooping over uh, getting rid of Dan Vladar. Was that just because he had like a good? He, he had, had a really good he had first two half. Two weeks that were good. He, he had, had a really, two weeks. The guy, he had a month. He had a month or two. Right. It was not a month. It was two weeks. <laughs> not even a month. It was not. He had. I he, just remember in fantasy, he had great numbers for a little bit. He he had a good two weeks. And then he got absolutely pantsed by the Capitals, like to the point where the Bruins made a trade that night because they're like, "This uh, we can't have this happen again." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, like, it was just it, uh, like, "You can't trade him." No, I assure you, you absolutely can trade Dan Vladar for for a top ninety pick. You you totally can't do that. I just feel like, yeah, people just had like the Tuca's contract like just warped people's brains where it's like, no, no, not we got to spend twenty bucks on the goal. You know what I mean? Right. And now they're still now they're they're getting like the best goalie deal in the league with Elias Allmark the way he's playing for five million. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh. So I I, I think goaltending will be the Leafs' downfall. Um. But that should be a great series. Those teams again. It reminds me of a, a bit of Carolina and Boston where they're building teams. To beat, you know, the other like that's like look at what how the Maple I'm sorry the Hurricanes have built their team. It's designed to beat the Boston Bruins in a seven game series. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be interesting. The, the arms race has been uh, exciting. One more, one more. The Kings got Gavrikov after all those weeks of us yeah. talking about Gavrikov coming here. He ended up ended up going to the Kings, and I I did want to get your thoughts on this because I you mentioned in a text or private conversation that the Kings did a uh, John Quick dirty. They traded Gavrikov. 
and or they got Gavrikov and they got Jonas Corposalo. They basically swapped goalies. They sent yeah. John, they sent Quick out to uh, the gulag of the NHL, which is Columbus. And so, I don't. You think they did him dirty there? I do. And listen, John Quick has an eight seventy six save percentage. Right, he hasn't been good for so a while. He hasn't while. been good. I like, I like, I will, I will fully sit here and admit that right now that he is not, he's not the Jonathan Quick that he was. But let's also acknowledge this is probably the end of the line for him. Right at thirty seven years old, two Stanley Cups, arguably the most important player in LA Kings history. Like, yeah, him or Doughty. Cups was the backbone of both cups. Was out of his mind. Two thousand twelve, he was just sick. And this is probably it for him. This is probably the last run he was going to have with the team. They're in the playoff spot. Like he's not the starter. Phoenix Phoenix Copley is. It would have been it would have been nice to have him be part of that one final time. And so I think there are other ways to do it. I don't know. Like Corpus is fine. He's fine. But I think I think that's a move that that could hurt their locker room. And, and that's. Something you always, you always be mindful of this time of year. I think it was... You hear about that a lot in Hogg. The Bruins didn't want to trade anyone off their main roster. Yeah. They didn't want to upset the apple cart, so and to speak. I, I, I'm not sure if it was Frank Saravelli who had this or uh, one of the other national insiders, but, you know, they had a they had a great... Um, they had a great win. I think they won. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I, I think they won. Yeah. Uh, Kopitar had a four-goal night. And they were talking about the plane ride back to L.A. being a somber one, being a sad one. A lot of guys frustrated. And it's like, oh, you're going to do that to your team with mm-hmm. the deadline? Like, that's that's a tough move to make if you're Rob Blake. And now, listen, if Corpus Allo comes in and steals the job and wins him a playoff series, no one cares. But I, I do think it's a it's a crappy spot to put John Quick in, given his importance to the organization um and and you know what he's done for that team in terms of putting them on the map these last you know decade and a half I'd say in the NHL. Okay, well I, I honestly I was like honestly asking I was like why do you think now that you mentioned that like you know they are actually going on a playoff run it's a little yeah not the best look to trade diff- away like your your MVP from those two cup runs. It'd be different if like they were in like thirteenth and they were like we just we gotta get a look at the future. It's like oh like they're in a playoff spot and yeah. Hockey wise, though, was a good move. Like they needed help on the back. They could score, yeah. but they needed help on the back end. So Gavrikov is a good pickup. Yeah, it's for them. So, it's just weird that they did. They have to do the goalie swap. It was just weird. I thought they had a sneaky defense that I think is uh, is intriguing, but also frustrating when I watch them. I watch the Kings a lot. Like I really like Sean Dursey. I really like Mikey Anderson, but Mikey Anderson like sh- like stresses me out because I'm always like he should be so much better than what he is right now. Like like he's very like hot and cold. Um, you just like him because his name's Anderson and he has a nickname for a first name. Yeah, he's Michelangelo Anderson. That's what <laughs> I want to be. Uh, and he eats pizza during games. Um, no, but yeah, like that. Those are uh, it, that team. I mean, they could win a round too because like that division is kind of weird. It's mm. like Vegas and Seattle. It's like neither one of those teams are giving me a ton of confidence right now. So. Right. Should be interesting. All right. Well, we got to move on. We're going to take one more break. Uh, we'll come back and we'll, we, we don't have much time, but we're, we're, we'll try to squeeze the big three in here. Uh, we'll take one more break. We'll come back and do the big three. Oh, yeah, boys. Backstagecountry.com, your online home for all things country music. <laughs> Wondering who made our list of the top five all time queens of country music? Did Carrie Underwood make the cut? Find out now when you text Queens to 45911 and scroll through the list on BackstageCountry.com. Text Queens to 45911 to see the talented artists who rounded out our top five list. We're back. Ty, it's it's usually we get kicked out of here for the off-air show with Felger and Jim Murray, but like yeah. Where's Rachel? our friend Rachel... Friend of the program, our colleague, usually comes in and sets it up. But she usually at least starts like creeping down the hallway, giving us the look. You know, I haven't, but I haven't even seen her at all in the office all day. Not that I'm always running around the office, but I put um, the hockey stick on her office door. She's trapped. She can't get out. Oh, okay, that explains. It. All right, so Sorry. we got all the time in the look world. At then. Me. I'm I'm the podcast now. <laughs> look at me. Look at me. <laughs> all right, uh, we're gonna do the big three video game characters. 
Oh, uh, you hell said, yeah. I think you said you could do this off the top of your head. I totally can. Uh, you got a bunch of fresh ideas for the big three. I was excited to do this one. Yeah. I don't think you're going to take any of my picks. so I'm Probably like, not. So let's get rolling. You start right. us off. All right. Number one, Crash Bandicoot. Now, this guy, <laughs> first of all, love it. Shirt, no shirt, pants, sneakers. What a look. Iconic. Now, this guy just walks around collecting apples all day and stomping on boxes. What a life. And then occasionally he gets that mask and goes, and then he runs around with that mask guy on his face. Uh, I was a PlayStation kid, so Crash mm-hmm. Bandicoot was my guy. While a lot of people loved like Mario, I was more Crash Bandicoot. Yes, I was so, that 64 kid. Yeah, so like you probably don't really have that kind of thing with yeah. Crash. No, yeah, I had a friend who had the PlayStation, and he had like the big games that came out originally were Crash Bandicoot and Jet Moto. Jet Moto was sick, dude. We played that over oh. and over again, yeah. Jet Moto was the first ever video game that I played where they had advertisements for real-life products, and it blew my mind. I was like four, I'm like, they got Butterfinger ads on the video <laughs> yeah. game? Because I was always like, oh, that's a different world. That's not our world. I don't know what's happening there. I feel like that game is the embodiment of that meme where it's like, these graphics are incredible, and yeah. it's like the graphics, and it's like the absolute... Dog crap look well, of the of the old PS games, and they had all that PS surf game. rock like soundtrack. It was all like Dick Dale inspired, like you know, it was like mm, Miserloo yeah. basically yeah, uh, yeah. as a soundtrack. But uh, I loved the Jet Moto, but Crash Bandicoot's my number one pick because uh, his lifestyle is fantastic. Also, the, all the characters in the Crash Bandicoot games were very fun to draw as a child. So that's another reason why I love. Oh, there you go. There you go. All right, my first pick is Arthur Morgan. He's from the Red Dead Redemption 2 game. I've talked to you at length about this game. It's 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 my favorite game of all time. I think it's it's dethroned uh, Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, which was my undisputed goat for a long time. Mm-hmm. But Red Dead 2, I mean, the story, the story mode is the best ever. It's it's like a movie. And the like the writing is just so incredible. And Arthur is just this incredible character cuz Yes, he's a, he's a piece of crap because he kills people and robs people. He's a criminal. He's an outlaw. But he's oddly he's like principled, like sort of like a <laughs> Sopranos character or something. Mm-hmm. He's he's likable. He uh you know, he he, he, tr- he like he, like there's like a young person that's like going down the wrong path. He tells him, no, no, "Don't don't do that now." But uh you know, he's that that sort of guy. Uh he's a guy he's like he's he's more likable than than a cowboy ever should be, I think. But like if it, if this were like a video game, you know how The Last of Us they made that into the yeah. HBO show and it's I a huge I wish hit. I played that game. Yeah, no, la- the first Last of Us is a good game too. But um this is the next video game they're going to make into a show. I, I'm going to predict that. I, the, there's enough in that Red Dead Redemption 2 story to actually make a show and a movie out of it and it's because of this character Arthur Morgan. It's like one of the most well-drawn characters, and he like he keeps a journal where it's like, and he's like randomly a good. Speaking of drawing, he's good at drawing, and he's like mm-hmm. a he's like a good writer. But then he's also this lunkhead who just shoots people in the head. He's a very very complex character, but I think most people who play the game know what they know what I mean. So that's like my it. that's my first pick. I like it. Uh, I never played those games. I always wanted to. They're always really affordable when you go to like Target or like the PS Store, and it's like, oh, man, I always recommend it. It's like if you I have know. ADD and you just like running around doing random stuff, like it doesn't get better than than that game. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, my number two, I'm shifting to the uh, Mortal Kombat realm here, as we talked about right. last this week. Is, this is your inspiration for this big three, I would think. It was the Mortal Kombat. I think so. Week. It probably was. Uh, I'm not a hundred percent on that. Uh, I I I think it was, but. Uh, Mortal Kombat. Um, I'm not gonna go Jax. I want to go Jax, but I'm not gonna. I'm gonna go Johnny Cage because Johnny Cage was like a cool dude. Like, yeah, like you know, when you're five or six, you, you just want to be the coolest character. And I was like, yo, this yeah. guy wears sunglasses. That's cool. I like that. This was back before you know the game had like 35 characters, right? Right. You yeah. Were back when it was just like eight, back, like eight to ten. I think, I think it was eight. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, I love Johnny Cage. And then I saw the movies, and he was like a badass in the movies, too. And so um, just Johnny Cage was, was my pick there. Uh, because, I, again, when, when I don't know, when you're a kid, I feel like you naturally gravitate towards, like, the non-villains. And he was not a villain, and he was a badass. So I got to go Johnny Cage number two. The shadow kick and the nut punch are two of the most famous, uh, you know, fighting moves in game history. Yeah, and then you get the guy who comes like goes toasty. Yeah, he yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think when I brought that up on Twitter, like, who's your favorite character? There was one guy who was like, I don't remember his name, but who's that guy who was like just a dude? 
And oh, I was I like, oh, he... I was a Johnny Cage. And he's like, yes. Oh, he's talking about Johnny Cage. I was convinced he was talking about Striker. Oh, yeah. If you see Striker, he's, he's wearing a backwards hat and uh, like, a, like a tight shirt. He's kind of fat. Just a cop. <laughs> yeah. What's his special ability? Oh, uh, he has a gun. <laughs> yeah. like <laughs> He just shoots you. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, but I thought for sure he was talking about strikers. So that's interesting. Start with Johnny Cage. I like that. He was. He was. All right. My second pick. Uh, speaking of Zelda, I'll go with Link. Yeah. And I know, I know Link has never spoken a word ever, but I think that makes it more interesting. It's just that the whole game, I don't know if you've ever actually played a Zelda game. I have not. No. But the whole game is him going up and talking to other people. And then it's just like lines of text of them telling him, you do this, you do this, you do that. Mm. And then he doesn't say a word. He just runs off and does it. And you know, it's, he's like the Tom Brady of, of of video game characters. He's the uh, he's the Connor McDavid of a video game. You want you want to pick one guy to go uh, rescue the princess, uh, beat the castle, complete the mission. Link Link is the guy. That's just he's that, that dude. He's that dude. He's an absolute badass. The speed the speed and skill off the charts. You know, he's like Batman with his gadgets and weapons and all that stuff. He's the best. He's the best. I I know I just said Red Dead 2 uh, might have dethroned Ocarina of Time. Ocarina of Time is just I heard you going back on your own take like three minutes later. No, I'm not. No, Red Dead 2 is probably my favorite game ever. I've played too much of it. Um, but Link is the one that's endured over time. Mm-hmm. And speaking of time, yeah. And uh, there's a new Zelda game coming out this year. So when that comes out, you, you won't see me for a month. Nice. <laughs> I mean, not nice, but like that's sick for it's you. It's going to be fun. It's the sequel to Breath of the Wild. Ooh. Where it's like it's going to be the same like mechanics and all that stuff, but mm-hmm. whole new uh, world and story and all that. So that's the kind of stuff I get excited about when it comes to video games. I can respect it. I never played a Zelda game, and it's like it's there's too many, and I feel like I can't jump into it now. Uh, number three for me, for me, number three, number three, Tommy Versetti, Grand Theft Auto Vice City. <laughs> Uh, had Ray Liotta, right? It is. I didn't know that until like 2010, probably. Um, but he has so many lines in that just during gameplay that I find myself saying entirely too frequently, such as "Sorry, I need this" (laughs) when he steals cars. Oh yeah, yeah. That or when uh, there's a Florida car in front of me, I always say "Dumb Florida moron" all the time. Like, like (laughs) because that's what he says when like you crash in if you crash in his car when he's driving, he says something like that. But love Tommy Versetti. Uh, I when they were remastering those games for like the current gen systems, I was so excited because I was so excited to play that play as that character again. Then what happened? They got bad reviews. Yeah, the games are like trash. Like they, it just didn't. It oh, didn't. Did you, did you get it? No, but I was watching gameplay and I was like, yeah, I'm not paying money for this. Like it, it was. Didn't it look, they changed the graphics and stuff. Is that it? What, just that was didn't the biggest translate. Complaint. Like it, it still looked like it looked like um, they were PS2 games, yeah, and they looked more mm. like really shitty PS3 games, like early PS3 versus like PS4 or PS5, and I couldn't justify spending the money like to to play a game that just looked that garbage. Um, so I was really hoping they were going to do that because I really want another Grand Theft Auto game. It's been... I have beaten Grand Theft Auto Five on, like, four different systems now. Like, it's time to really? get a new Grand Theft Auto out. Yeah. You played all the way through GTA Five four times? Yeah. Wow. Well, because I would just be... So, like, we had it at my friend's house, so we'd go over when we were, like... It was an excuse to hang out and play video games together because when you're adults, you barely have that anymore, right? And and then um, my friend had it. My roommate had it back when I lived in Medford, and I would play it at night because it was like it was fun. It was more fun than a sports game because like sports games, I get bored after a while. Because um, those are repetitive. Yeah, yeah. You're just playing games or trying to win championship. Um, and then I beat it. I beat it again again on like a PS4 because I got it for like ten bucks. It was, it was like it was one of the first games I got when I got a PS4. So. I beat it again on that. So I just like I like the story. I like the fact that you can you could bounce between three different characters. You could be Franklin, yeah. Mike, or Trevor. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that that made it interesting for me. It was exploring as those guys versus just one guy. Yeah, I didn't love GTA Five. I don't know why. And it's not that I don't like it. GTA Three. Like changed my life. Like I'm mm-hmm. into all those games because of GTA Three. Those open world games. I don't know. I feel like maybe it's too modern. Like I don't. I liked. I did like being able to fly planes and helicopters and stuff like that. Yeah, but I don't know. I feel like I'm more. I gravitate more towards you know the medieval sword stuff like Zelda, 
or yeah, like the old do. or the old west like Red Dead. I don't know. Yeah. Why, I don't know why, but I feel like I gravitate more towards that stuff. I gravitate towards eighties culture, so Vice City was like perfect. True, That's, yeah. Like, like I just yeah. I, I like that. What's your favorite non-playable character line from a uh, Grand Theft Auto game? Oh, I don't. That was the lines. I don't remember any lines to be honest. I like the one of the guys like, "Well, yep, I've been drinking again. I don't know why it always <laughs> always got me." <laughs> Yeah, those are those are great games though. I still need to make my third pick, right? I'll go I'll go quick here. Yes, sir. Uh, I'll go with Geralt of Rivia. There's another another open world game. He's from The Witcher. Oh, The Witcher. They made that a show, yeah. They made that into a show. It was a book originally. The first thing was the book, mm-hmm. and then they made the game, and then they made the TV show. Uh, he's sort of similar to Arthur, where you know, like he has principles, but also he kills things. But he kills monsters, uh, you know. And he was a complex character and all that, and. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed that game. That was another game that sort of took video games to another level for me. Oh, there's Rachel. I just saw her. I think I, well, she was in the hallway, and she was just giving us the look. I think she gave me the look. Ooh. All right. Geralt of Rivia, that's my third pick. Ty, you have any closing thoughts? Uh, honorable mentions? Just do a couple? Uh, well, I, I didn't love GTA Five, but I did like Franklin. I did yeah. like that character. Fun I liked, character. I liked his house. I liked his yeah. side missions. So I enjoyed uh, Franklin. I like Kratos from God of War. Mm-hmm. The newest God of War is really good. I'm a Mario guy. I'm a Sonic guy. I like those characters. I was a Sega Genesis kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Gorons from Zelda. I wish you played Zelda. You would know the Gorons. The Gorons are very uh, lovable characters. Uh, I have on mine uh, King from Tekken. Remember him? He no. was like the pro wrestler who had like the, like the leopard head. Um, he was from Tekken. Uh, I also loved... Uh, uh, the uh, what's her name? Oh my God, what's her name? Cammy from Street Fighter. I remember her. Yes, she's great. And I would also say in the Marvel vs. Capcom games, specifically the Marvel vs. Capcom uh, Capcom games, Captain America was so fun to play as. Yes, no, he I was remember. So much fun to play I, as Captain America. My friends and I games. had a, my friends and I had a Marvel vs. Capcom phase. Captain America was dominant. It, it was unbelievable. Such a fun character. Him and Iron Man were dominant. Yeah. So those um, are my picks. All right, those are our picks. Sorry to rush through the end of this here, folks, but we got to get out of here. You can get us wherever you get your podcast. This is the Sports Hub Underground. We'll talk to you again next week.